Welcome to Rise Smile Films, the film review podcast that mixes cinema with fine spirits. Journey with us as we encounter new, old, and strange films with the occasional dabble into sports and music. Proceed with caution as these podcasts feature spoilers and some mature language. This is Matt. And this is Jesse. Today on tap, we have Creed, starring Michael B. Jordan, Sylvester Stallone, and Tessa Thompson. Story by Ryan Coogler, screenplay by Ryan Coogler and Aaron Covington, and directed by Ryan Coogler. Welcome back to Rye Smile Films. Matt, does it feel to be good? Does it feel to be good to be back in this Rocky Creed, Creediverse? <laughs> this boxing world? This boxing world that we love so dearly. Take a favorite genre of our genre. We're struggling, right? Take a favorite. Here, let's drink right now. <laughs> drink to you. Yeah. yeah, end of the week. Mm. Old Bardstown. This has been a good bottle. Yeah, pretty good bottle here, but... Didn't you say this was like a $40 guy? Well, this is what you, you got. You got me this for Christmas. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I did get you this for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been really good. That was a good get. What a good choice by me. There you go. But yeah, it's like watching this film, I can't wait to get into it and break it down, and especially as we get into the sequels, uh, just really reaffirmed how much I love this world, these characters, just the lore, the every little piece, the training montages, the fights, just all the ways it's put together... And I can't wait to talk about it. I, and I couldn't believe this film came out in 2015. This thing's uh, eight years old already. <laughs> Can you believe that? No. Is boxing your favorite subgenre of the sports oh, genre? Oh, absolutely. Mine it's too. The, I think the one done the best. And you know, we were, we were you were a little hard on Raging Bull. I gave it top shelf, but like... Oh, it's still a good movie. It's still a great film, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, before we get started, I'm going to open up a big tab here. Uh, so let's... We're going to talk about superheroes for a little bit because we're not going to talk about them for quite a few more weeks, right? I mean, we're going to spend some time in the boxing world, and then you know we got some action, and then some horror on the on the on the horizon. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was don't forget re- musicals. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. I was reading an article. It was on comicbookmovie.com, and it was kind of some just un- uh, you know some notes about James Cameron's Spider-Man film that he never got to make. And you know, we've talked about that a lot. We covered it on that shot we did about best movies never made. Yeah. And there were some details in here, and then they cut to like this audio clip of uh, who I'll mention here in a second. I'd never heard these parts of the story before. You're going to love this. Mm. So, you know, around that time, you know, Canon Films has the rights to Spider Man, and then it ends up at Corelco. Mm. Um, but around this time, early, so early 90s, it's like 91, 92, Chris Claremont, uh, X Men guy, right? Yeah, very, and, very great X Men writer. And Stan Lee are just going around and visiting studios. Uh, and pitching people on an X-Men film. <sighs> Sounds great, right? Yes. So they find themselves at Cam- James Cameron's company, Lightstorm Entertainment, and their pitch was, we want to make James Cameron Presents the X-Men, directed by Catherine Bigelow. Oh, wow. This is so. This is year, literally like a year after Point Break, Catherine Bigelow. Like, Can you imagine that kind of 90s Point Break grunge with mm-hmm. Chris Claremont's X-Men? That could have killed. Killed. With Cameron back in with the visuals, like post T2, like that could have been so awesome. And then, so Stan Lee's, you know, taking, you know, Stan Lee, right? Heard of him. Just in the middle of this pitch meeting, turns to Cameron and goes, Jane, what do you think about Spider Man? I've heard you, well, we've been kind of pretty fond of the character. And Cameron's eyes just like light up. And so X Men died and it then became all about Spider Man for wow. them. Yeah. Right so, then and there, in the room, died. Yeah. So Stan did Chris Lee, Claremont go, you fucker, what are I you think doing? He, I think he did, yeah. I think maybe so, that's why he left yeah, Marvel. Maybe. Uh, so Stanley had just killed what would have been a great idea that I would love to see in blockbuster heaven. But mm. then it, it went down this path of, you know, James Cameron's Spider-Man, and, you know, 
everything in Corelco and Cutthroat Island and all that nonsense. Hmm. But they were mentioned, mentioning some casting choices in here too that I had never really heard of. Like we had heard like DiCaprio or Edward Furlong for Peter Parker. But then a few of these other ones were interesting. Uh, Robin Lively. So it's Blake Lively's sister from uh, Karate Kid Part 3. Mm-hmm. She was actually in the last season of Cobra Kai mm-hmm. as Mary Jane. Uh, Arlie Ermey mm. as J. Jonah Jameson. Oh, hell yeah. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. And then uh, some James Cameron stalwarts uh, for uh, Sandman uh, was Michael Bean. And then for Max Dillon Electro was Lance Henriksen. I'm like, oh, I can see all Could of that. it been really good, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and you know, then they talk about, uh, they were talking about the script, which, you know, we talked about the organic web shooters and I just, I'm just so fascinated by the, what if of that idea. Mm-hmm. And we love the films that did get made with the Raimi McGuire films, but that little possibility is just tickles that like, what if itch, right? It's so, it's so strange to, to me to think that once upon a time, mm-hmm. Stanley, Chris Claremont and the stable of Marvel writers, mm-hmm couldn't find a home for their properties. Yeah. I mean, think about that today, right? Yeah. That's, again, that's a really dark, bad time for Marvel. Mm-hmm. We're just out of bankruptcy. If we're not, we're just going into bankruptcy. And super- no one's reading about the only thing. Yeah, superheroes in general. Superhero films kind of, they weren't what they are today. I mean, it was just Batman, right? I mean, at this point now, they're having, you know, boxing matches for the D level. Exactly. Oh, we want Moon Knight. We want fucking Dazzler. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. I just, yeah. James Cameron presents Catherine Bigelow's X-Men. Oh my, sign me up, dude. You know, Keanu Reeves is going to be in that movie and that thing's going to Cyclops. That thing's going to rock, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, I thought you'd like that. Does that mean that, um, Lori Petty's going to be in it though too? Is that Jean Grey? Jubilee. (laughs) Jubilee. I I see Jubilee. (laughs) I buy that. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Early nineties X-Men casting. I thought, have fun with that. I mean, man, that's like Marauder's Time and uh-huh. um, Legacy Virus, Dark Beast. That's mm-hmm. that's a really grim, gringy time. But for you the know, X-Men. It, you know what? It would, it would have really felt, I think, a lot like that X Men animated Cartoon. series, right? Oh, let's go watch it right now. Yep, there you go. All right, so let's get started. Uh, tab close. No more superheroes for a couple of weeks. Let's go to step into the boxing ring, Matt, uh, mm-hmm. with our uh, flight question. Alrighty, so the world of Creed, you know, from the world of the Rocky Balboa films, we're going to talk a lot about that today. Uh, but on paper, I mean, I remember when they first talked about this idea, I just, I, I didn't know if I necessarily thought that as like an instant winner, right? I was like, there's going to be a lot of work that has to make that work. Uh, but it certainly did work three films later, right? And we're going to talk about that the next, the next three weeks here. Mm-hmm. So my flight question to you is, so take any film series that you think could be spun off into another film series, trilogy or television series, mini series. Uh, what do you think has some potential for some legwork? And I gave you a little caveat, Matt. I said you couldn't use the John Wick series because it's already happening. It's already happening. <laughs> I think an important piece to this is the supporting cast around the main characters. So obviously in play is a bunch of superhero stuff, but I chose not to go there. But I did go with, I think, a fairly standard property or common property 
And something that this property has even teased out a little bit, but it's done in a really shitty way, the Kessel Run. So I'm going to go with Lando Calrissian. And although I am no fan of prequels on this podcast, it's been talked about a lot, I want the prequel that we have had hinted at us a little bit, whether it's in Solo or whatever that last in canon legacy Star Wars film was. Was the last one called Last Night, Last Jedi? What the hell is the last one No, called? The Rise of Skywalker. There you go, The Rise of Skywalker. I think that if you come at this from a point that is more pirate and less mystic, you have some really fertile ground that you could plant some interesting things. And if you take it as the minister, master manipulator that Calrissian to me was mm-hmm. when Billy D. Williams at the height of his power, inspired by, only on screen, not with the antics, off the screen, Kevin Spacey, House of Cards, sort of master manipulator to get to a position of power that is there you go. governor of Bespin or whatever title he had in Bespin. And who he is indebted to for the favors to get him there. There's a lot of play with bounty hunters, certainly the Empire, the Rebels. Um, And you get to play, whereas I think in that film, Kevin Spacey, or that film House of Cards, Kevin Spacey is kind of just antagonist. Yeah. I think you get anti villain. Lando Calrissian. There you go. Right? Yeah. Because he's kind of playing on the on that side, but if he has to do these really dastardly things to keep the empire at bay, then I think I'm maybe, which might even up include up into murder. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you could get an Ozarky, not drug dealing kind of thing, but I don't know, maybe. Maybe there's space drugs. I think that's a great idea. I want it. That, I want to see it. That whole world of Star Wars Bounty Hunter is like an untapped mind, and whatever the hell the Book of Boba Fett was was just so stupid. Wasn't more like. <laughs> uh, there's so much that they could, and I think, <laughs> yeah, Disney made, a, I think, a, a very big mistake when they kind of disavowed the entire Star Wars expanded universe, because all those books with, like, Bosk and uh, the the standee to TX1... Uh, <laughs> I was called THX one <laughs> That's that George Lucas film. Yeah. But all those little bounty hunters that show up in the most icely cantina, like those are all different stories and stories that Calrissian can run into. And then in an episode, maybe he runs into Han Solo, right? That's also a really good idea too. I didn't even thought about that. Mm-hmm. What if the whole series mm-hmm. is just, here's the 13 to 22 characters we're going to show in the cantina. And you get an adventure with those characters. There you go. So here it is, snapshot. Here's, and the, here's that devil-looking guy. This week it's Hammerhead. Black Severak, the Wolfman. Yeah. <laughs> that one, yeah, the Hammerhead guy, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, whatever. Here's that, that like walrus-looking guy, yeah. walrus man. Yeah, there's a guy that looks like the the bear suit guy from The Shining, and he's got like that like dingleberry mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Could even do the band. There you go. Um, I actually, Max Rebo. No, I, no, no, no. That's not Max Rebo's band. That is Figurin Dan's Cantina okay. Band. All right. Dude, I'm okay. I know that. That's kind of nerdy. <laughs> Seriously, you dork. Dude, to Fingerin Dan. I love it. Good for you. That's what they called you in college, wasn't it? <laughs> they called me Fingerin Dan. Because <laughs> you played the guitar. Yeah, exactly. That's dude. what I was talking about. I tickled them ivories. <laughs> yeah. Uh, great choice. Yeah. Thank uh, you. The stuff that they could do with Star Wars. And we're seeing a little bit of that on Disney Plus, right? You know, re- I told you I was revisiting The Mandalorian. God, those first few episodes, that first season is really good. Uh, and we saw what they dipped their toe in with Obi-Wan, and Book of Boba Fett was a huge miss for me, but I think there's a well there that you're, you just tapped into. 
And it's not that name. Mm-hmm. It's not Palpatine or Skywalker. Yeah. So that's a really good start because, you know, in this, as you said so eloquently, many, 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 many podcasts ago, uh. in this galaxy far, far away, there's more than two families. Exactly. <laughs> it's just so dink that all of the stories in that galaxy far, far away revolve around somebody named Skywalker or Palpatine. I know. It's frustrating. Bullshit. Yeah. Again, that's why I like Last Jedi. It was like it was they were trying to pull away from that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Great choice. Thanks. Mine's near and dear and close to my heart. And, you know, a few years, years ago, there was an article where they, they did talk about they were going to, you know, make some kind of prequels or some spinoffs. And I think I chagrined at this, but a little, the film that came out in between all that really made me reconsider this. So I'm going to the James Bond universe and, uh, yeah, I want to kind of expand from then on out. So kind of think of the possibilities there that don't involve Mr. Bond. I mean, Felix Leiter and the American CIA and kind of like that kind of whole caveat working with MI6 here and there. And then No Time to Die really kind of made me consider, you know, like Ana Darmus was this like Cuban like assassin. Like, what's that story? That's interesting. I mean, what's going on in like Japan, like in like their spy division? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then like, you know, you can even do some prequel stuff. Cause like, I've always really wanted to know a little bit more about M and like M's prequel story. Like how did he uh, rise to be, you know, uh, the minister of MI6 here? Like, was he a double O at some point? Cause I bet he was. Yeah. And you know, the Kingsmen, you know, with Ray, they, they tried to dabble into that a little bit, but you know, the world of bond and creating gadgets, the exotic locales. And I've been revisiting a lot of the bond films as of late, as I normally do, mm-hmm. uh, I just think there's a lot there that isn't James Bond proper that you can dive into. Mm-hmm. So and I, I, th- I think I owe a lot of that to, to No Time to Die. They, they kind of gave me a perspective into some other stories that could be told that weren't 007, right? Mm. So, and I think if Castle, and you know, I think this is a good project because Amazon owns the MGM library. So these could be just little series on Amazon Prime, right? Like Jack, Jack Ryan. You know, it'd be cool since they own the, the MGM library is you start off. Okay. Let's how many run you want? Do you want eight or you want 22? What do you want? Give me a number. Yeah, let's do eight. Let's do eight. So you pick eight scenes, eight famous scenes from different bond films. So nothing from Moonraker because that movie's terrible, <laughs> but pick whatever eight you want. Yeah. And then it is, with that character or one of those supporting characters that's in the background, Mm -hmm. their story of how they came to be there. It frees you up, but it's still sort of interconnected, probably most of the time on the villainy side, unless you're a Bond girl. And that might, there you go, that might be the one. Well, there's a lot of- Eight Bond girls. Yeah, well, even even the Bond villains, I mean, there's some rogue Bond Mm -hmm. female villains, Helga Brand from You Only Live Twice- like, what's her story? How does she get involved with something like Spectre? Like, mm-hmm. there's a story there. Like, you can even tell the young Blofeld story. I might even be down for that. Mm. Uh, some of these villains and, like, how, how how did they form Spectre? How did these group of evil people come together and be like, you know what? Let's hold the world hostage for a bunch of crazy shit. Love that. So, yeah, you can tap into the heroes, the villains, different uh, parts of the, uh, of the world. I think it might work. And I just, I, I kind of like that, you know, I, I poo-pooed that idea. But, you know, I'm kind of on board with that now. Can I give an honorable mention? Yeah. You're going to like this one. This is right up your alley. Mm. We start off episode one in the series with the delivery of the bomb. Mm. And we get the Captain Quint story after the Indianapolis goes down. That's, that's, that's episode one. 
Bob, you know, bodies floating around, and then this fascination that he takes with the sea after what's happened as this way to exercise the demons of watching his brothers get devoured. Yeah. And we watch just the slow degradation of this man's sanity to what we see in modern day Jaws. There you go. God, don't you want Captain Quint? Oh, I think all of us would love to see the Indianapolis story because of the way it's told, right? Yep. Speaking of Jaws, I'm glad you brought up that very moment in particular. Just theorize with me here for a second. Mm-hmm. You know when they're comparing scars and yeah, drink to your leg. leg. She broke my heart and mom. Yeah, Roy Scheider lifts his shirt up briefly and like quickly hides it down. What do you think his scar was? Do you think cesarean section? Yeah, well, yeah, of course, right. But do you think that was like? Mm-hmm. I heard I read a theory that you know, that someone said that that was a shark bite and that's what turned him off to the water and so he's out here quelling some demons i thought that was a cool reading into it absolutely shot while on duty in new york i think that's pretty interesting Mm -hmm. or just appendix or something like that and it's just it's so belittled by these two guys's adventures right Oh yeah that's cool so if i if i could ask steven spielberg because you know I, i truly believe as christopher nolan said like whether i put it in the film or not i have to believe in like what that is right like Mm -hmm. i I need to think something spielberg knows what that is i would like i would like to ask him that i'd one other one for you too like i was thinking about you when i was answering this question because another one of your favorites one that i love too also came up and i'm going to give you one choice in the cast of this team okay to spin off and then i'll tell you who i'm going to choose because i probably need help with the name character wise okay you get to choose anybody but dom from the inception team okay who do you want It's not Ellen Page. I know that. Yeah, it's not. No, 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 not Ariadne. I'm struggling between Tom Hardy and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Those are the two I wanted also. Uh, I might take Jago, uh, Arthur, the architect. I wanted Tom no, no, Hardy. He's not the architect. He's the point man. I wanted Hardy because he's the, like, the brawn. Yeah, the muscle. How those, man, there's a lot of really cool things we could do with that space, too. He's also, he's also the... He's like the weapons guy, isn't he? He's the weapons guy, but he's also the mask. The what do you call it? Like like the disguise guy because yeah. he disguises himself as Tom Berenger and yeah. goes in and pitches to Cillian Murphy. There, you, you could, any of those that would be interesting. That's an interesting untapped world that I don't know if we need more because it would probably belittle that already amazing film. But I'd like to see more. Well, as you posed the question, yeah. spinoff from the movie or series originally. Let's keep going with Arthur. Mm-hmm. Let's keep, what is Tom Hardy's name in that? What's, Eames. Yeah, Eames. Mm-hmm. Let's keep going with Eames. Yeah. Let's do it. See what he's got going on there. And then how he gets to that. And I want to see what those guys do. Because like after DiCaprio gets to TSA, he's done doing this, dude. He gets to see his kids. He's retiring out there, wherever, in California. What's the rest of those guys doing after that? Are they getting into more dream heists? Like, well, what are they up to? Because they all got a taste of it, right? Kind of like it. I do, too. Good question. That was one of your better ones. Oh, shit. <laughs> Liquid death. Thank you very much. Oh, we got a ton to talk about here. Let's dive right into our review breakdown of Creed. I know what it's like to lose someone. When your father died, I was angry for so long. I hurt myself, pushed family away. I don't have no father. What did you say? I said I don't have no father. That's not true. He passed before you were born, but you had a father. You know? 
He was my husband. Adonis, I would like it very much if you would come and stay with me. Do you think you'd want to do that? What was his name? Tommy Gunn. <laughs> the Tommy Gunn origin. Lubber Lang. Okay, Matt. 2014, 2013, they announced this movie. We're doing a Creed spin-off series. What's your first thought? Like, what's the first thing that comes to your mind with that idea? Is Stallone going to be involved? Sadly, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. The answer was yes pretty quickly. And then it was in what manner? Obviously, boxing. No kidding. But... Uh, for me, um, I think I was a little late to arrive. This is coming than you did, but the details are pretty scant to begin with. Mm-hmm. Uh, how are we going to get to, is this, I, at first I thought it was going to be young Creed to Apollo to oh, becoming like an origin story. master disaster that Creed. Mm-hmm. I'm glad they didn't go that way. Yeah. Uh, and I will say this. Um, I'm never going to tell anyone that I will ever suffer from Rocky fatigue. I, I just won't. Yeah. I love that series. Start to finish. Um, if you doubt it, go back and listen to five. And I think we both, at least I got a little pretty choked up on what was widely regarded as one of the worst Rockies of the entire no, no, lot. I think that was in Rocky Balboa because it was during his, oh, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. his speech, right? Yeah, his yeah, yeah. speech to his son in the street there. Yeah, we were pretty hard on five and rightly so. <laughs> but even still, I mean, there's way worse. That's still oh. better than a lot of Marvel shit. Yeah, there's, you know, one derailment on a pretty successful train yeah. of films. Yeah. But a little bit skeptical. And then questions arise about how do you take the anti-hero mm-hmm. that becomes sacrificial scapegoat and if we're going to play yeah, yeah. Um, like Joseph Campbell's mm-hmm. Heroes Quest kind of archetypal roles yeah. and turn that into standalone because Creed's dead. So mm-hmm. I had a lot of questions, but a little skeptical, but obviously super intrigued you. Yeah, I think I was pretty skeptical myself. You know, I was a huge Rocky fan going into that. You know, you and I had talked that series a ton before that film had even come out, just how much we really liked it. I remember I would show you just like these Rocky retrospective videos that like broke down the whole series and they're just amazing. I was like, yeah, so what's this going to look like if we're just, because I don't like spinoffs to begin with to go to like my flight where I was just all about it. I don't think it's a really good idea most of the time unless it's executed right. And at this point, you know, I knew next to nothing about Ryan Coogler and Fruitville Station. Uh, and I think I saw that maybe after Creed, because, you know, after I saw this film, no spoilers, everyone, this film blew me out of the water. Yeah, uh, I had to go see that film, and that film's great, too. And then, you know, we did Black Panther, and so this guy's really in control of this idea he latches onto, but story credit to him, screenplay credit to him, and directing credit to him, this guy was all in, and I know deep down that he does have an affinity for this Rocky franchise to have so many ties and nods to the prior films, especially not just Stallone's involvement, but some of the locations we do, some of the callbacks to other films in the series. Um, it's all there. And the history of Rocky lives on. It's kind of the, you know, the blood of this, of this film, the, the framework. And then I like that Adonis kind of gets to carve out his own story. It's a film all about name and legacy. Mm-hmm. And we see in that opening scene, right, where Ma Creed, uh, Felicia Rashad. <laughs> Marianne. Yeah. 
comes and to this uh, juvenile delinquent center, and of course, what's how do, how do we define Creed by this characteristic? Uh, how can we know that he's his father's son? Oh, he's hot headed. He's in a fight right now, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> so then they put him in this, you know, holding cell there where he can cool down and his uh, mom comes and says, you know, you know, I know who your real dad was. He's like, I didn't have a father. He's like, yeah, it was this guy. And you might, you might know him. He's one of the most famous boxers of all time. But for Adonis, I mean, it's going to kind of almost become a curse, right? It's how do I live up to the name of Creed? Yeah. Uh, How do you? <laughs> exactly. And I like that. I like that we get to think back a little bit on Carl Weathers' tenure as Apollo Creed and like, yeah, that guy was like, dude, like world heavyweight champ, you know, was just well-respected, hot-headed as can be, showman in the ring. Like it was all about the spectacle. And I like that there's some strains of that in Adonis, Donnie. But then as Rocky starts to take him on, he also shares some traits of Rocky that are near and dear to my heart. A certain more, he's a little more humble than Creed is, at least in this first film, right? I don't think he's as good as his old man. That's part of it. Fighting, right? Yeah. Um, he's, oh, no, no, no. Donnie goes to the Rocky Balboa School, school of, of Defense. Yeah, I <laughs> block <clears throat> punches with my face. Yeah, indeed. I've got a tough jaw and I'm going to prove it to everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... If you're going to emulate your father and you're not going to use his fighting style, then what part of you do you want to emulate? Okay, so here's, I think, part of the genius and the writing in this. As we've said before, if a movie is titled after a character's name, it's a character study. Mm-hmm. So for a character that doesn't want to be known as Baby Creed and is trying really hard to forge his own path forward without his father's name, because he wants his own identity, then you have to come up with your own fighting style as well. So if you strip away the character study piece of what the movie's about, and that's ascending to not what Creed looks like in social media or glam and glitz to the public eye, but what Creed stands for insofar as uh, strength and longevity and being a champion with quotes around the word champion, whatever that means for whoever's interpreting it, then you have a really interesting internal and external conflict that both come into direct interaction with each other. I want to be this guy. I want to be my dad, although I kind of resent my dad because he left me and I'm sort of illegitimate to begin with, but I don't want anyone to know that I'm from my dad, but and my weakest moments when I can't pick my beaten ass up off the mat, I'm going to call to the tiger's roar that the, I guess I have the tiger roar that Creed had yeah. to get this old beat carcass. Like, whoo, that's loaded, man. Well, they do share a, a strength there. They're both, they're both pretty good at fighting yeah, and, and, and <laughs> yeah. seeking that out. So, you know, when we cut back to him 15 years later and he's at some computer desk job that he hates, Mm-hmm. He's, trader. he's happy in the in the ring, right? I mean, yep. he goes down to Tijuana to get in these little know-nothing, like very much like Rocky fighting Spider Rico in the church. You fight a good spy, fight, Spider. Yeah. <laughs> he's fighting these bums, right? And <laughs> it's just, you know, to kind of prove, and he's just trying to, like, what it, would it look like if I dipped a toe into this role? And I think fighting those guys, he's like, I'm actually pretty good at this, right? Mm-hmm. And he wants kind of a legitimate, what does a, a legitimate shot look like going down this path? And he goes to his dad's old boxing ring and 
you know, they turn him away like nobody's business, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, They just say he's fighting bums and, you know, recognize this guy here. Strong side, left side, strong side, left side. Yep. Um, And then, yeah, he's Duke's son, uh, Apollo's trainer. But they turn him away. I mean, like, and but, you know, he could very quickly go, oh, you know who my dad is? He built this gym, right? Yeah. Yeah. But he doesn't want to play that card. He kind of wants to kind of make it on his own a little bit. But he can't tell his mom at the same time because mom's rule is like, don't even think about boxing because I saw my husband die in the ring. So he's walking a real fine line. He likes it. He wants to do it. But, like, no one's giving him a chance. And he can't, like, tell the truth to anybody. Mm-hmm. Did I ever give you my story about Spider Rico? Uh-huh. God, I kicked myself for this one. You're going to kick me, too. Mm-hmm. It had to have been a decade ago. Maybe a little bit longer. Um, actually, maybe not. Maybe it was seven to six to eight years ago. I was walking through KB Toys with my daughter. I think that's when KB Toys was about finishing up, or maybe it was Toys R Us, like in those last days of, yeah. I forget which one it was. And I happened to go by one of the um, clearance bins, and it was full of action figures. Okay. And I've pulled out Spider Rico, an La Spider Rico action figure. Oh my god! And I didn't buy it. I don't know why I didn't. I should have. You yeah. know, how fucking cool that would be. Yeah, and so random too. I, I, I didn't know they made Rocky action figures. Yeah. And I had Spider Rico. That's crazy. Isn't that so awful? It's we could cool. Probably go find it on eBay. I mean, we might have to pay a little bit more for it now. But yeah, four ninety nine, and I just. I remember thinking, oh my God, Spider Rico, that's crazy. Isn't that weird? That's very What a weird, weird. toy, huh? Yeah, yeah. we're going to have uh, Clubber Lang, Ivan Drago, Nick. and Spider Rico. <laughs> and Polly. And Cuff and Link, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, jeez, yeah, yeah, that is... I'm going to look it up here in just a second. Uh, About the size of, like, original Star Wars action figures. Yeah. I think we're getting off to a really good start here with this story here. I mean, yeah. like, we got uh, this person who's in a rut you know we need an inciting incident for him we need him to kind of take the bull bias horns and the first step of that is i'm gonna quit my job i'm gonna go try and make it as a boxer i'm gonna have to tell my mom i want to do this and she kind of shuts him out right mm-hmm. it's kind of sad i mean she's like well you won't do that i won't be any any part of that yeah right and so yeah but she's cheering her ass off at the end right mm-hmm. but there's a really cool shot at the, uh, uh in the before that, when he goes home and he's like in the theater room of his house and he puts on Super Fight 2, right, from from Rocky 2. And I love the way Coogler shoots it with like its projection and, you know, he gets up in front of the screen and I really paid attention. He's emulating not just Creed, but Rocky as well. Like he's he knows this fight verbatim, like the moves. So he knows this world. He knows the history. He's done his homework. Now he wants a chance to see if he can prove it on his own. So he's going to Philly. I mean, like we're, we're, we're getting to it. Yeah. And so think about when we last left Rocky Balboa in this franchise. I mean, he jumped back hesitantly into the ring because he kind of had the same thing too. I want to prove I'm not old and washed up. I want to give it one last go. He gives it one last go. He loses that fight, but he goes the distance again, mm-hmm. uh, kind of reconnects with his son makes peace uh, with Adrian, or there wasn't peace to make there, but just like, you know, it was a real nice, sweet ending here. And it's really interesting seeing Rocky in the beginning of this thing. He looks tired, yeah. a little weathered, a little kind of done with all the restaurant. He's probably a little tired of telling the same stories to all the people coming in to eat at Adrian's, right? Yeah. 
And I don't know if I remember. But I want a table there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I want. I want to hear some hear some tales. Tell me about that time you worked out in uh, the the Russian wilderness. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. I forgot how sad Rocky feels yeah. in this film. And I got to give credit where credit's due. And we're going to talk a little bit about it later. This might be Stallone's best mm-hmm. performance as the character. To that. I mean, he's really good in Rocky Balboa. He's really good in that first film. Mm-hmm. Uh, this might be his shining moment as this character. And these two guys meet for the first time. He's my father. No, he is. I don't believe you. Call Marianne. Marianne, his wife. The house number still works? That's right. Mm. You haven't talked to her since the funeral. She said you gave a nice speech, though. train me all right i need somebody solid and who else better to go to all right you at least owe me that i can tell the way you talk you've been to school you know so i figure you got some brains why would you want to pick a fighter's life when you don't have to if apollo was around he would tell you that too he ain't around i've been fighting my whole life i ain't got a choice it's always about a choice I was in the ring. I saw how it went down. That fight should have been stopped. I should have stopped it. Maybe he wanted to go out like a fighter. Maybe you did exactly what he wanted. I think he'd rather be here talking with you. at Mickey's gym tomorrow. I don't go there. I haven't been there in a long time. Since we're pretty much like family, who won the third fight? Mm. He did. So that's a cool little nugget, right? I mean, at the end of Rocky Three, the payoff for Apollo training Rocky was, I want a behind-closed-doors rematch. No ref. Until someone submits. Ding, ding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know, we're never told who won that fight. I mean, it's kind of not important, right? But here we have a moment to really kind of explore that. And I think it maybe proves that maybe Apollo Creed was the better boxer than Rocky. I mean, Rocky has a bigger heart for sure and a bigger will to live and a stronger head, right? <laughs> bigger will to live. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, willing to take a beating. Yeah. But I think Apollo was just... Finesse-wise, just a better fighter. He was more refined. He was more fine-tuned. Rocky was—he's a raw boxer. I love that little that little nugget there. But I also love that the history that Rocky and like the sagely, the wise sage, if you will, speaking mm-hmm. of Mister Campbell, don't go down this path. Because look at me—I got guy diagnosed with brain damage. I lost all my money. You know, like <laughs> I can barely stand up. I got arthritis. I'm gonna have cancer in this film. Yeah. I saw your dad die in the ring. Uh, it's not worth it, you know? And especially because he says he's like, you're a smart kid. Like, 
Go to school, get a good job. You don't need to live the fight. Screw up that pretty face. Live the fighter's life, right? I mean, he's got some good points. Yeah, he does. There's a sincere gravity that he has moved to in these latter years in his life. And it's full of loss and it's full of heartache, Mm -hmm. but it's also full of stubbornness, this iron will, the stallion's Mm -hmm. creed, if you will, to continue on. And no matter how hard you kick me, you might beat me, but you're not knocking me out. As good as he is, and he's terrific in this, his his reincarnation as this much latter in age Rocky that we see in the first two films is so good. And I think Golden Globe worthy, if I'm not mistaken, I think he was nominated. No, he won. Golden Globe. And... About damn time. Well, let's just talk about it right well, hold now. Well, let me finish that. Okay. I'm going to get back to you in one second. Yeah. As good as he is, I've had a years with Stallone... And I've seen him, Copland, he's pretty good. There's times he's, there's also times he's been terrible. But I would argue he's really good in Rambo too, the first one. Yeah, first blood. Um, You know who I didn't know was as good as he was because I'd only seen him in Chronicle was Michael B. Jordan. Mm -hmm. And what I like about him in this is there's a comfort where Stallone is sincere and there's weight and you can feel it and there's a river of regret and sadness running through him. There's also a river of, I don't want to say expectation, but hunger and comfort in Donnie. Yeah. You know, since we're like family, because you and my dad slapped more flesh than anybody except for maybe my dad and my mom. <laughs> yeah. You're like my uncle. Yeah. And he's just okay with that. And I, I, like, I buy it, and I don't know why, right off the bat that this guy that he's never met before, that he just shows up at the restaurant and says, hey, you're my uncle. And I believe it. No, obviously not blood. Duh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they're both terrific, and they are playing so well off of each other. Oh. Might might I say one more thing? Yeah. After Rocky and Mick. Yeah. This includes Adrian and Rocky too, Jesse. Yeah. Maybe the best chemistry he has with anybody in the entire series. Partnership, yeah. Okay, so I stole like three the mic from you three times. Go. I'll save my little... Golden Globe thing for the end of the episode for my inevitable rating because there's there's more to that as, as well. But uh, I totally I totally agree with you. When I think about Donnie's perspective, he's been looking for a father figure his entire life. I mean, he didn't have one. Found out he had one, but he's dead. Uh, so he's just been living with mom in this cushy mansion. Okay, he's used to growing up on the streets and going from juvie home to whatever. Mm-hmm. And here he's got this guy in Rocky that can not only, like, show me some things around the rope, the Italian stallion, the people's champion of Philadelphia, but he's also kind of like a dad to him, too, especially when he goes and stays with him. And then for Rocky, it's a son-like figure for him, too, and I think that's ultimately why he agrees to, like, yeah, I'll train you, because you know why? Like, I thought I had fixed stuff with my son, but he moved away and calls me once a month. He lives, like, in Vancouver. Yeah. So that's still estranged. And that's going to pay off pretty big next week too, right? Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, so I I can see why they would gravitate towards each other. The world of boxing has pulled these two kind of opposable forces together, and we're going to see what type of chemistry that they're able to make together. But at first, he's like, I ain't want no part of that, right? Mm-hmm. And so Diane's like, fine, just I'll make it on my own. So I think the film makes two two mistakes that I would if I could sour mash I would just do the do these over 
Um, this first one here, I think they go to mixed gym a little too early. Because it's such an iconic location. Think about how much time we spent at that place, right? I mean, like, we're Rocky, you know, like, you got my stuff on Skid Row? <laughs> All that stuff there. I mean, Adrian worked across the street. Like, there was so much built up there. I mean, the ghost of Mickey and Rocky Five. I mean, he went to the derelict mixed gym. And, uh, and then... Rio Sperino, right? Yeah, and they, they had reopened it, you know, in Balboa. But he go Adonis goes there on his own, and it's being run by someone else, right? And he's coaching his son... Uh, I think he's the number five ranked pound for pound boxer in the world, which I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he's the guy in Philly now and every, everything's going into him. I don't got time to train you. People usually come here and they just hit the bag and run, but I can come show you some drills, but he, he ain't got no time for Adonis. Right. Um, so he's trying to pick up a little thing here and there and he's living in a little shithole apartment. His neighbors play music a little too loud and, I really like this scene here, too. And, you know, the Rocky films, they're, they are sports films through and through. Uh, their sports spectacle, their training spectacle is unparalleled. But I think these films excel really well in the love story department as well. And so we introduce this new one here with this tenant, Bianca, played by Tessa Thompson. And she's booming music in the middle of the night, which would drive me absolutely crazy. So he goes down there to do what I would do, and he's pounding on the door. And I love that she kind of like, she's like, oh, it's too loud for you? I'll turn that down for you. <laughs> she turns it up louder. Yep. <laughs> uh, I really dig it. It gives him a little taste of his own medicine, I guess. But it's kind of this kind of tit for tat that they're playing in. This kind of interesting attraction that they have to each other. And later he's going to find out that she wears a hearing aid and has this progressive hearing disease. Um, and that's going to go, you know, into the next film as well. But, you know, she's trying to make it on her own as uh, as a musician here in, in the Philly indie musician, the indie scene. I think they're cute together. I mean, I think they, they go. I love that she takes him to go like you're L.A. kid. I got to go. I got to take you to go get a Philly cheesesteak. You got to see what this is all about. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. And it looks delicious, by the way. So you got any listeners in, in Philly. I envy how delicious these cheesesteaks cheese probably are. Mm. Uh, but that's all well and good, you know, and then he meets Rocky again on the street. And I love that Rocky's still wearing these like Coke bottle glasses from like the first film still. Still struggling to write. I mean, he can't spell shadow, but he gives him a, a couple just pointers, right? A couple things to, to work on here and there. Um, but then it's this, you know, moment just a little bit later where Rocky shows up at Mickey's gym and he kind of goes, he's like, you know what? I think, I think I'll train you. He <laughs> doesn't say it like that, but like kind of through a rigmarole, he's like, let me show you how to do it properly. Let me show you how to do this right. And this is the mistake that I think they make because, you know, he goes and moves in with Rocky. He wakes him up at 5 o'clock in the morning. He makes him run to this other gym on the other side of town. Now, they need to flip-flop these gyms. He, he needs to say, like, Donnie shows up at that gym first, and then Rocky says, no, I know where we need to go. And then they go to Mighty Mix Gym. Because yeah. imagine, like, that, like, moment where the camera pans up and we see that sign with the, the boxer. I think that would have been a cool reveal and it's it's kind of ruined in this film, but agreed. Again, it doesn't kill it. It's just a little little Jesse twist. Okay, so if we're gonna do this now, here's the one thing that bothers me about Creed. This is it. The movie or the character? Kind of all of it. And this goes through all three films. There's no way he's a heavyweight. Mm. 
He fights in the heavyweight division. He's a middleweight at best. And just let him be a middleweight. Yeah. It's okay. The guys he fights, with exception of Drago, who's clearly oh, a heavyweight. that guy, my God, yeah. But just let him be a middleweight. Mm-hmm. Because when he fights Danny Stuntman Wheeler, and like those are legitimate boxers, by the way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Sperino, and then um, I can never remember the guy's name that's uh, going to do time in this film as his last fight before he goes away. Um the main rival at the end of the film, whatever that guy's name is. Those are all established boxers and none oh, of them. Ricky Conlon. There you go. Pretty Ricky Conlon. Those guys are all like legitimate real boxers, just not heavyweights. Yeah. As much as I love Michael B. Jordan, he's like five, seven and like maybe one eighty. So if you can get past that, then that's just semantics and heavyweight sounds better, but I like your sour mash. Um, I just think a lot about like a lot of these legacy sequels, whether it be David Gordon Green's Halloween or like these things. Like, there's these moments. Like, there was I think a cool moment in the Scream Five. <laughs> you see the new one? Oh, of course. Yeah. Uh, but in Scream Five, when they end up at the house party and they're at Stu Mocker's house mm-hmm. from the first film, and mm-hmm. there's that reveal, and Sydney's like, "You guys are in Stu's place," and there's this cool camera pen where they're like oh my god yeah it's like they could have done something like that where it's like mighty make and they play the little rock do 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 they play a little rocky did uh a diddy there hey, getting back to mighty mix is a big deal yeah i think i think we just dress it up and sell it a little bit more right yeah I, i'm with you yeah i start. think and i think it's a little too clean for my liking yeah i think i needed a little more skid row <laughs> yeah i buy the delphi gym being like that because that's more creed yeah although creed really did kind of teach rocky how to get back to your roots and like you know kick some rats out of the way so you can get to the speed bag. Yeah. Um, I'm with you. Yeah. I, I, you. I think that would just be a cool journey to get there. But anyway, you know, they're, he's trying to teach him and you know, there's, there's another box. So do you and, want, can I ask you a question about that? Yeah. Do you want Donnie to have to prove something to Rocky even before he lets him set foot in mix because that's such a hollowed place? Like I'm not going to take to some pretty, off the street, fly by night or into this place because this is my church. Yeah. So do, does he put him through something to get there yeah, just to harden him I up a little bit? the chicken test. <laughs> well, he catches that chicken like that, though. Yeah. Which, which is pretty funny, actually. Yeah. Catches chicken. All right, what now? I think he makes him guzzle some eggs or something. something. Yeah, okay. Some sort of thing I get that, it. We, that we've seen before, yeah, before you come in here. And if it's more ratty and skid rowy, like them cleaning it up together, I think could be pretty cool as well. Mm. They kind of make it their own. That's good. Um, but say la vie. Yeah, uh, okay. Just, just a kind of a little, a little sour mash there. But you know, they go to this gym, and you know, there's a sparring partner there for Donnie to 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 fight with, and that boxer's a little more refined than Adonis is. And Rocky's over there reading the paper, and he's like, he's like, "Are you training me or what?" He's like, "Yeah, I'm training you, but I'm watching you. I'm training you from like afar here, and I'm doing it a little bit differently. I'm not gonna be like." I can't, I can't do that anymore. Yeah, I'm not going to be like Mick yelling at you 24 mm-hmm. seven. Uh, like that's not my stuff. And I, I wouldn't Get see your that little chicken asses out of here. And that's not Rocky's demeanor either. I mean, he's he's just like this teddy bear deep down, right? So he's like, I'm going to show you. Just you know, we're going to work on it one thing at a time. Uh, one thing at a time. Like, but he should have told us like, let's build some hurting bombs, right? <laughs> like we're going to build power, shovel hooks, baby. But it's interesting because. At the end, in the end fight, he is a little bit of Apollo and Rocky in mm. his fighting style. Yeah. He's got a little of that, like, quick, like, those, like, quick jabs that Apollo was so good at. But then, like, what was Rocky's thing? He was a body body hitter, right? 
and he's he's going for the body. So he he's got a little bit of both of these guys in them. They they've like made the ultimate fighter here. Kind of a perfect fighter. Yeah. And then add to it, tough as nails and impossible to knock out. Yeah. Yeah, we got to talk about that eye injury of his later. Oh my god, that was that was gruesome. <laughs> Do you think he spits lightning and craps thunder? Yeah. I think he does too. I'm digging all this. First viewing, I'm like, what's this Rocky Creed relationship going to look like? It could not look any better. Like, I am on board. I want to see where this is going to go. This relationship starts to kind of kind of go its way. Uh, she kind of gets on board, even though she's like, ah, do I really want to go around with a boxer? Like, that's pretty crazy, right? And Can we talk about that for a minute? Yeah. All right. The Tessa Thompson role. Mm-hmm. He's got to have a love interest. Mm-hmm. She's pretty hateable at the beginning. And I don't mean she's hateable because of her music and because he's kind of a dick about that anyway. But when she's trying to coerce, I don't want to say, talk him into the relationship that doesn't exist on anything but the truth and they have that semi-fight in the street. Oh, yeah. Every time they have that, I just can't help myself but go like, man, just fucking bounce. Like, it's it's week three. If she's already up your ass like this, over this, it. but to her credit... She kind of grows up and matures like what it means to be with a fighter. And I think where Rocky and Adrian, you have to draw the parallels here, right? Yeah. Are really, really awkward at the beginning from the ice skating. Super bong, awkward. Yeah. You, you like flying candy? Like yeah. that <laughs> Southpaw, South yeah. Campton, Southpaw, right? Yeah. Um, to There's big bugs over there. <laughs> Hey, Polly, I'll cause you late. Like, That's the best part. Yeah. The awkwardness of his hairy armpits on the mm-hmm. Chantate that, to that kit and sort of very forceful. Okay, yeah. you, they get over each other and get into each other. Yeah. I think they, in their own way, yeah. get over each other and get into each other as well. Yeah. I think I feel a little bit differently, differently about that particular moment, and I think it adds more weight to the theme of this film for me, which is the name Creed. And it's more important that I even thought of what the Rocky franchise gave to me. Like her kind of big deals, A, you lied to me, which again, that's, that's, yeah, let's not do that. But then B, you didn't tell me you were like the son of like the most famous boxer that ever lived. Creed in the pantheon of Ali, Frazier, Leonard. Is Creed at the top? He might, like, he might be in this fictitious world that we're creating here. Mm-hmm. I think it added more that she's, I think, more put out that, okay, I didn't know I was dating, like, a famous person's kid, right? That's a little weird, and now I got this spotlight on me for what, everything you are and aren't. I think it elevated the name Creed even more than I had already, the pedestal I had already put it on. And I'll play the little clip here, but it's coming. It come, there's a scene before that because, you know, we got, we got to get this guy in the ring. We got to see if he can fight. The whole thing's like, can he fight? Mm-hmm. And I love that little bit. They're putting his gloves on, then he's got the nerves. He's like, I get these gloves off. I got, I got to go take a shit. <laughs> he's, he's nervous, right? Well, I love that that becomes the lexicon between the two of them, too. Yeah. And and he's uh, and he's fighting the, the, the kid from Mixed Gym, right? Yeah, bullshit, right? Mm-hmm. He's fighting the kid from Mixed uh, mix Gym. This. Leo? Yeah. Sperino? Yeah who no one's giving Donnie a shot here. And man, I love the way Kugler shoots this thing. He's like, okay, we're going to show the boxing match. We're going to do a one take on this thing. And the camera's kind of going in and out of the ring and showing, you know, Donnie's kind of taking a beating, but he pulls around, knocks this guy right out, and they do it all in one take with some little trickery here and there, right? Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? I think impressive. Um, I'm, I'm, I, 
in terms of just, you know, overall boxing style, I think some other films in this franchise maybe do a little bit better. I think Rocky Four for me is still the pinnacle of how boxing looks in this franchise. But this is pretty good. What do you think? Just the look of that, like, we're seeing Donnie for the first time. Yeah, we're seeing the way he's going to fight, too. And uh, there's not a lot of jabbing in these. Mm -hmm. It is every punch is a haymaker, which you want. Mm -hmm. I actually think boxing to watch and sit down, just watch 12 rounds is actually kind of boring. Yeah. And you get maybe seven to 15 seconds of really good action in most rounds. Now rounds where there's a knockdown or a knockout are different, but some guy lands two or three in a row. And that's a big deal in the round. Well, we don't want to watch that in film because it's boring. So everything's got to land or be dodged in some very, very dramatic way. And to Kugler's credit, mm -hmm. I think the angles that they use present a really interesting approach compared to what we saw in the first and second film where they only had enough to fill half the auditorium. So they only <laughs> shot it from the one side. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's an active camera and a very active boxing style. I love yeah. it. It, it, yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty great. So you know, he wins. You, no one expected this. Um, but what was found out prior to that fight was, yeah, I did some digging and found out that he's a little so and so, and he's the son of a little one named Apollo Creed. And so it's like this fight just got like a whole the like the momentum, just like how big this fight is going to become now. And then it leaks out, right? And then that's where she, you know, calls him out on the street. And then we get this little clip. And I, I like that, you know, Rocky Balboa dabbled a little into this. And I think it, it help, helps carve a realistic boxing world um, with this little clip here. Welcome to PTI, boys and girls. We begin today with the boxing world. Adonis Johnson, a little-known boxer being trained by Rocky Balboa, handed light heavyweight title contender Leo Spirino a second-round TKO defeat in Philadelphia last night. An anonymous source confirmed to ESPN that Johnson is the youngest biological son of Apollo Creed, fact that was kept under wraps because Johnson was the product of Creed's infidelity. The boxing world is excited to have another Creed in the ring, but Wilbon, does knowledge of this affair damage Apollo Creed's legacy? Damage his legacy? Let's go back for a second, a little history on Apollo Creed. I certainly have him right up there as maybe the best of all time in the discussion. He slipped. He made a mistake like a lot of people. This isn't going to be the first, particularly in the boxing world. <laughs> yeah. But I'm not going to yeah. say it's going to kill his legacy. I think it's an embarrassment. I think the family must have felt this embarrassment because they kept it under wraps for so long. But I really have one question. What? Can the kid fight as well as the old man? That's a stretch. Big moment here, right? Because... In this really start of what we hope is going to be this great run for Donnie. Yeah. Not that he knocked out number five, mm -hmm. T, um, pound for pound or rated in the division or whatever it is, yeah. in under two rounds. But that the spin cycle from the media and the salacious, gratuitous bullshit is usurping what this kid's achievement was. Yeah. Gets back to the defense that Donnie has in his own mind about why I don't want to make it on my dad's name. He never really owned me. Mm -hmm. I never really knew him. People are going to hold me to a standard. I want to make my own way. I get it. I get it. I understand that, especially when you see what it means, especially now that he knows what it means. Yeah. My dad sired me through an illegitimate means yeah, and a, a never claimed me. Fling, yeah. Tough pill to swallow, man especially when he is at the highest moment he's been in his professional, if we use the word professional boxing career. 
Do you like having like you know these really ESPN guys? I think I I, yeah. I dig that. It kind of yeah. just it, it like helps fill out the world. I mean, Max Kellerman's going to be at the end of this film, and even the pre-fight thing that they do that they do on HBO with uh, Leave Schreiber oh, yeah, yeah. narrating, yeah, you know, twenty four seven. Yeah, exactly. I think, and even in Rocky Balboa, they did a little that. I think Skip Bayless was saying how Rocky wasn't that great of a fighter. <laughs> Skip Bayless isn't that great of a. <laughs> Any human, <laughs> exactly. So fuck that guy. I I I like that. I I I kind of just like that little angle there. But again, what do we do? We're building up that Creed name like even more, right? So you know, it's out there. It's out in the public. Got something? Callbacks. I'll come back to it in a minute. Okay. So it's out there. You know, this pretty Ricky Conlon is. You know, yeah, he's going away, and he like wants to like <laughs> for his kids. I want to show them one more time that I can be a respectable fighter and you know we need to like have like a big marquee fight and he kept you know, Crete's son why not and it's it's kind of like you know apollo going through the books and like the italian stallion sounds like a damn monster movie you know kind of plucking this no-name fighter that has next to no experience and we're gonna give him a shot right mm-hmm. and based on his name it's the creed name the family name, and then in Rocky, it's the Italian Stallion. He he likes it because he can put it on a billboard, and it sounds like a monster movie. Yeah, he sees the markability, a marketability of that. So, kind of an interesting little kind of tie to the first film that I, I caught this time watching it. Whether it's Layla Ali mm-hmm. that in those early early days of female boxing was so important to what that means. Yeah, didn't she fight Foreman's daughter? That was kind <sighs> of a big deal. I yeah. remember. Yeah. You know, half of boxing is the hype, man. Mm-hmm. It's got to be because the fight itself is usually pretty boring. So all the pre-fight hype, the weigh-ins, the press conference, all that, where they almost every time they're in the press front, they almost get into a fight and they're just pulled apart at the last second by the two trainers and somebody gets arrested and we never hear about that guy again. Yeah, That's all part of the hype machine that's necessary to build up the drama for the fight. Mm-hmm. And what better ammunition... <clears throat> Then a return to the ring for the Creed name yeah. against pretty Ricky Conlon. And I get why his trainer wants to market that because if it really is Conlon's last chance to make some money for his family before he goes away for a few years, man, absolutely. That fight goes from, eh, maybe I'll watch that too. That's holy shit. That's Creed's that's kid. That's must see television. You yeah. got it. Pay-per-view, mm-hmm. man. Yep. <laughs> That's a really great space that this film gets. Yeah. It didn't have to get it in Rocky's one so much. It did in a 1979 six. six kind of way. But even like when Rocky gives Donnie his first boxing regiment and he like, it's in the cloud. What do you mean it's in the cloud? Like that for Rocky sort of, and Donnie, the fish out of water that they experience with existing in each other's time works really well Mm. because why that works so well is there are moments when the things that never change in life relationship with a woman, which who better to learn from than Rocky because him and Adrian were great or what it means to value life because I don't know because I don't have my dad anymore. So you're the only thing that I've got. So no, you're going to fucking fight. You're not just going to lay down and take this and die on the bed like some old man. That's how those guys connect. So they have their different worlds that are miles apart from each other with the exception of boxing and the cloud versus um, getting up at 530 in the morning and doing a little dance to the caller, whoever that is on the radio. Mm -hmm. Let's not let the day begin, but it might as well be. 
all that shit doesn't matter. Or Paulie's, you know, 30 year old penthouse magazine or oh, whatever know, it is. Man. It's all stuck together. Um, <laughs> a boy, Paulie. I do. I want to say that real quick. Don't for, uh, finish your thought. Finish your thought. So you create these vast differences in character on some pieces of them that allow them not to be exactly alike and create differentiation. But on the other pieces that matter, they're completely syncopated. Oh yeah. And that's, what's so great. Yeah. I mean, George Lucas, I wish he would have had like a time machine to come see Mm -hmm. this film Mm -hmm. and then go do the star Wars prequels to see how you can structure a story and yet have a similar structure, but have callbacks to the past that make it feel more fleshed out. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's just something like that's why the the prequels are just so foreign in tone to the original trilogy, whatever. That's a different conversation for another day. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Rocky's still going to the grade to visit Adrian. Polly's there now, right? Right next to him. And I like that he goes and takes him a bottle of schnapps, right? Yeah. Goes and reads <laughs> the paper to Adrian. And then in the turtle cage, I only saw one turtle. So is it just Cuff? Where's Link? Link's passed on too. Yeah, maybe. So literally all Rocky has prior to meeting Adonis is Link or Cuff. <laughs> He's back to that old cobblestone townhouse condominium apartment thing too. Yeah. which. He's lost the mansion that we saw in three. The robots are gone. <laughs> right? Paulie's girlfriend robot. Oh, it's all gone, She's man. good to me. Yeah. She's good to me. It's all gone except for the reduction to just basic needs, Rocky. And that, you know. Wake up, go to the grave, yeah. spend time with Adrian, go open the restaurant, close the restaurant, go to sleep, repeat. Right? Can I say something? Yeah. I kind of envy him. Yeah, it sounds his life is really simple, but it's filled with only meaningful things. It's easy to do that in film. Mm-hmm. So cut you cut our life. You're in my life's a little slack here. Yeah. Everybody else out there too, you can. He's not fucking around with like worrying about, do I have internet service here? And he's still well, well respected in the community. Everyone, everywhere he goes, hey champ, hey rock, hey brother. It's, what more could you ask for, right? I don't, not much. But, he, but he's getting tired of it, right? And maybe it's due to this next twist that I did not even consider this film was going to go down this way. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's sparring. You know, he's doing some sparring drills with him in the ring, uh, Rocky and, and Adonis. Dude, Rocky's struggling. He can barely stand up. He's got to go puke. He collapses in the ring. They take him to the hospital. And he's like, oh, I just, I'm just not feeling very good. And then... He goes back to the doctor. They do a more comprehensive test. And then, you know, he gets the phone call. This guy's got cancer. I think Hodgkin's lymphoma. I think that's what they they diagnose him with. Holy shit. I did not think we were going to go here. And then instantly, I'm like emotionally not prepared. I'm like, Rocky Balboa (laughs) made me cry with just two lines at the end. And it was to a grave. Uh, You know, the second film makes me cry. And he just wins a fight. Are they going to kill this guy? Because I ain't ready for that. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Like, up to this point, first viewing, you're like, do you think, because I thought this film had the balls to go there. And Jesse, it's just, I felt the same thing too, and it's really being in love with the character. Mm-hmm. There's only a few of those in my life. This We've talked about it, so I'm going to go into it again, but yeah. he's clearly one. He can't die. You can't bring him, you can't give him back to me and then take him away again in this way. You have to, you have to, Rocky. You have to beat this. Because at this point, as a, as a little boy, he was my, here's what I want to grow up and physically be as a man. Yeah. Here's how I want to love a woman as a man. Yeah. But now as a man, quote unquote, whatever that means, mm-hmm. as a man, 
it's how I move into my latter years. Yeah. And if he is becoming very mortal in film, Jesse, yeah. that means I'm becoming very mortal in life. Yeah. You can't, Rocky, you, you can't get old on me, Rocky. You can't. Like, you are still in phenomenal shape at 77. And like, Rocky, okay, real quick. I know, yeah. I know you guys are dying to play some sound. Stallone on social is so inspirational and rock solid. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if I could have that wish fulfilled in my life of the five people that I could living or dead have lunch with Hitchcock, Cary Grant, Thomas Jefferson, sliced alone. And it varies from time to time and day to day on who that fifth one would be. Marilyn Monroe. There you go. Good lunch. If he is off the table in film, mm -hmm. it's because he's admitting, I'm just too old and I don't really want to do this anymore. Well, that's how his character is in this film, right? It's, that's what I mean. It's so aware of itself yeah. in time. Yeah. Yeah. A man at it, like, this isn't even his franchise anymore. Like, by name alone, right? Right. I wasn't ready. Like, I just, like, I was, I was literally anticipating the worst. And I was just like, oh, my, I'm like, I'm not ready for this. Like, a scene at a Rocky funeral with him, like, I was like, I won't make it. I'll have to leave the theater. Can you believe that? Yeah, but you're, you're, you worried. Batman. you're worried. You didn't kill Batman in a movie. I think I'll be okay. You're worried. You killed Bond in a movie like they did. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that one actually, yeah, I, I got to be real with you and go back and listen to the No Time to Die episode. That one really got to me. Like, yeah. as you know, as much as I love that character, like, I didn't think they'd go there and they did. Like, and then here in this moment with Rocky, holy cow, like, and then, you know, Stallone's just killing it. What you should be thinking about is that fight coming up. That's the only thing that should be on your mind, nothing what else. You, what, you, what you mean don't think about this? When you start in treatment... I'm not doing no chemotherapy. No. If you don't jump on this quick, you're going to end up dying. I know. And you're all right with that? I am. Mm. Man, you sound crazy, man. Give me the keys. I'll take to the hospital right now. I'm not crazy at all. If I could take everything that was good and put it into a bowl or something and say, hey, here, I'd like to buy one more day with my wife, mm. I'd do it. I would die a happy man right then. Not going to happen. So everything I got is moved on and I'm here. But you know what? It's okay. Because I said to myself, if I break, if I'm hurt, whatever, I ain't going to fix it. Why bother? And I'm just some bum that's living in your crib. Just, just nothing. You're a good kid and a good fighter. But you got your whole future ahead of you, mine. Back there, like all them guys on that wall, in the back, in the past, we're going nowhere. I am to you just an old trainer. That's what brought us together, you know? We're not a real family. Ouch. That's a, a line that breaks uh, Donnie right there. Well, that's it? kind of a harsh line coming from Rocky. Yeah. He never really goes there. Uh, man, Kugler gets these characters, and he knows where they are in this current state. Uh, 
Yeah, you st- everything you just said, Rocky just said it too. Like, dude, I'm a name on a wall. Like, what do you care about me for? We're not even blood. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. if I could, I would just want to spend one more day with my wife, right? And I've seen this cancer. It ate her alive, and I ain't going down that road. It's just like, you know, for those, you know, like that see people go through, you know, chemotherapy is just, as, it's rough for people, man. Yeah. And he wants to go the Walter White uh, route where it's just like, you know what? I had a good run. I'm, I'm good. O- I'm okay. And, you know, everyone around you is, of course, like, oh, what the hell you are, man? You're doing it. And it's not their decision either, right? It's the person's decision if they want to go through with something or not. And they got to think about, you know, their legacy. But, you know, Rocky does eventually come around and is like, I think Donnie tells him pretty well. He's like, he's like, um, if you're going to fight, if I'm going to fight, you're going to fight. Good for him. And if not, I'm pulling out of this whole thing, right? And I think that kind of wakes Rocky up. It was just like, well, I don't want to like ruin this kid's chance just because I'm going to be stubborn about something. But you know, you said Kugler gets the characters. Yeah. I'm going to piggyback on that because you're so right. In my opinion, I think you're so right. If you take every Rocky movie, yeah. there is this attempt to achieve greatness and then a terrible condition that knocks him to a position worse than before he began the initial climb. Do we want to go through through those? Because I think they're all really good. I mean, go ahead. Let's do one. Um, <laughs> fighting Spider Rico to well, no, no. Like I think in the first one, I mean, I think it's just like I think doubt is just his enemy. I mean, he thinks at the end, I mean, he can't even do it. In the second one, it's his wife going into premature labor and going mm-hmm. into a coma. In three, it's Mickey dying, right? In four, it's Creed dying. Mm-hmm. In five, I don't know what the fuck's family going on. dying. <laughs> yeah, the film dying. Yeah. Uh, and then in six, I think it's, you know, trying to prove against ageism, right? It's mm-hmm. just trying to prove it wrong. And I think Adrian down, death too. Adrian said, then I need to have a bond with my, my, mm-hmm. blood, my son. Right. Right. And here it's cancer. It's, it's, it's disease this time. So Kugler's smart enough to see that this is something that we're used to with Stallone yeah. and Rocky. Yeah. So let's get him and Donnie going and then bring something into the fold that just knocks the wind right out of his sails and leaves him lying on the mat. The midpoint, right? Standing eight count. Mm-hmm. Second act reversal. Mm-hmm. Okay, what better way to do it than... He can't get back in the ring at this point. He can't. But he can still train because his mind still works. Mm-hmm. About the only way that we can take him to a position lower that than what we're used to. Because he's kind of... At the beginning of the movie, he's kind of out anyway. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get him so far out. He's ready to die. And what happens in every single one of those instances, one of the supporting cast of Rocky's friends kicks him in the ass, takes him to LA, yells at him on the beach, screams at him in the church, um, whatever, like freezes his ass off in in Siberia, (laughs) whatever it is. So why not have the same thing happen here? And that's one of the supporting cast of Rocky who cares immensely about him says, okay, man, if I'm going to fight, then you're going to fight and helps him like every great champion reclaim the mantle. Mm -hmm. And so why not do it to Donnie? Cause he's going to give Donnie the same opportunity that Mick gave him in number one. Yeah. So it's like you said, they know the characters. Yeah. Kugler recognizes even the arcs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the the moments and just how they're like peppered in through here, like what characters mean, the roles they're supposed to fulfill. And then, you know, we want to still show, is this guy Creed? Has he got Creed's blood? Oh, yeah, he's got Creed's blood. Yeah. How you doing? Good? Yeah, I'm good. I'm a little nervous. I 
just a lot of people here, not really my crowd, you know? Yeah, I can see. Look, it's the boxing ball, Lil' Apollo Creed. Ah, I know it's girl. What's up, Bianca? Hey. You don't know nobody no more? No, I said hello to you when I walked past. You yeah, didn't I say bet, nothing to me. I bet you did. Stop mm -hmm. acting light skin. Hey, man, why don't you come over here and grab this pick with me real quick for the grand? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Come on, man, you know you're busy, man. Welcome to my city, champ. Believe that. Hey, good looking, baby Creed. Don't call me that. Yeah. Don't call you that. Don't call you what? You just call me baby Creed. So don't call me that. Hey, fam, dig this. I was showing you love, man. You ain't got to come off like that. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. That's all love. No, I know it's cool. Come you, on. You definitely know it's cool. Now, who you talking to, man? You talking real tough, you feel me? You better talk to your little pretty boy boyfriend, man. You get a VIP pass next to your pop talking to me like this. Well, that guy probably had it coming. Sure. But, but in is a Baby Creed such a terrible thing to call him? Uh, yeah, it's pretty Especially, you know, he's been running from this name his whole life. He doesn't want to be called Mini-Me or Little Creed or Baby Creed. I mean, probably feels the lowest of that. And it's that hot-headedness that Carl Weathers did so well that in a moment where he should remain cool, walk away, your girl's playing this show, you came to support her, don't act a fool, I'm going to get my ass thrown in jail, then. It's just like... I, I love that, too. And Michael B. Jordan's really good at understanding, like, Carl Weathers had this particular way of getting under people's skin and pushing and pushing and pushing. And you see a little of that come out here, too, right? And you kind of want that fire. This is something Rocky would never do. Rocky would literally just walk away. Mm -hmm. But not Apollo. Apollo's punching back. Yeah. And I like that. I like that we have the foresight to recognize those traits of these characters and that name and why that name's so important in this film, especially... You know, this derogatory version of Baby Creed. And then, you know, it's it's motivation to Donnie. Like, I got to get out of that. I got to get out of that shadow of I'm just a clone or a child or a Nepo baby or whatever, right? I got to be my own person, my own fighter. And I got to prove that. But then my trainer's dying and he doesn't care. But that's when Rocky comes to the jail cell and he tells him, if you're going to do this, you're going to fight too, right? Mm-hmm. It's a big moment for the two of them. And then we get this kind of pseudo training montage that's chemo training montage. Mm -hmm. Man, that's rough. And like to the makeup crew, man, they made Stallone look sickly. Yeah. Gaunt face, gaunt eyes, hair coming out. It's white. He's throwing up. He's doing, but then Donnie's like, okay, if I'm visiting you in the hospital doing your chemo treatment, I got, I'm going to be doing stair runs. I'll be doing push-ups on the floor here. Jumping rope. Doing whatever I can. Uh, it's just, I, I, I really dig it. This is, for all the training montages, this, what this franchise does really well, this is, this is a pretty good one. Yeah. What do you think of, you know, so in the Rocky films, we have this, you know, gonna fly now, and it's like his running training music, right? Bum, 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 bum. And this one, you know, that's going to show up a little bit later, and it kind of shows you, you know, both sides of this franchise intermingled, right? But he's got his own little theme here, too, and it's, uh, I'll play a little bit coming up, but it has its own little kind of dialect, too, like fighting strong, do, 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 do. Yeah. He's got his own little Creed theme, and it rocks. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty good. They have to do that. The question, can they match Gonna Fly Now? The answer is no, but it's, they have to do it. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. And it even, it's easy to draw the comparison between that and Gonna Fly Now. Sim, like musically, yeah, but yeah, yeah, I when, love when, when he's running with the dirt bike kids, yeah, <laughs> yeah, up to the top of whatever stairs those are in Philadelphia to jump, right? Mm -hmm. It's not the same, but it's the same. I don't think we can do the same. Like, Can't. if the film's about okay, we got to be your own name, your own person, yep. 
But we can't redo Rocky, right? No. Like, we can't, you can't just run up the steps and we do the same thing over again. Like, you need to do your own thing. But here's the trick, right? Yeah. We can't go so far that it doesn't kind of it thematically look a little bit like Rocky 2. No, and that's why I'm fine with it. It's a running scene in the street with kids on dirt bikes. Yep. Kind of like in number two. I'm okay with all of that. Uh, me too. Yeah. I think it's, it's enough of a callback and enough of its own thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why the film succeeds so well. Yeah. So. Off we go to London. You know what uh, I love about it too? I love that they said, you know, someone had to have posed to Kugler. Man, are you sure this isn't too much like Rocky? What if people just sit back in the audience and roll their eyes like, oh, it's like Rocky. And I, I hope Kugler said, if there's any idiot out there that came to see this movie that didn't like Rocky, then the hell with them. Because, not because shame on them for not liking the movie, but that would be akin to going to a slasher film and saying, you know, it was okay till the blood happened. <laughs> I, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, know yeah. who you are, stay in your lane, appreciate a dog loyal yeah. fan base to your film property, yeah. and be all in with it in a new way. Kugler's such a good writer, mm-hmm. and his vision in this is such that we need to have the ascension of of something to music. And as much as it's great watching a number him, number one run by the shipyard, number two is better because he's got the whole little contingent of kids behind him, like the people's champion of oh, Philadelphia. Rocky two, yeah. Number two. Oh, right? that, that running scene's amazing. It's amazing. Jumping so, over park benches. <laughs> kids don't do that now, but they do do wheelies and that's been set up a little bit before. Yeah, these hooligans go up and down the street here. <laughs> so I'm going to embrace the hooligans. Here we go. Yeah. Right, it's it's all it's it's different, but it's the same. Yeah, in its own way. And if anybody's like, "Oh my god," just like number two, when the kids fuck you, and I bet Kugler said that, <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. No, it's no. I don't know how you could just be upset about this. And meanwhile, our lead character that we've loved for decades is dying. We don't, we still don't know if he's gonna make it or not. Like, yeah. So and then okay, we got to get to this fight. Yeah. So off to London we go in Ricky Collins' backyard. And I just love all these, uh, the pre, like, uh, the weigh-ins, right? Or the, it's press day. Because mm-hmm. they're always running their mouth, right? And I don't know if you saw this, but uh, they did a, they filmed, because they're doing this Roadhouse remake with Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. And he actually filmed at the most recent UFC weigh-in. Mm-hmm. You see these pictures? No. Dude, the guy's cut. Like, oh, sure. Southpaw cut? I think more so. Wow. Yeah. So okay, I guess this version of Roadhouse, he's a UFC fighter. Cool. And it's just a part of part of the film. But I mean, this is for a chance to guys to run their mouth. And dude, Ricky Collin won't shut up. I mean, he's just like, hey, I'm better than him. Just this and that. And, you know, Creed to an extent is trying to keep his cool. But even at the end, he's just like, I ain't taking this anymore. Right. Not like his dad running his mouth with the Russian. Right. It's just like, he's like, I'm sending, I'll, I'll show you. I'll give you guys a good show. Much to his chagrin that, you know, he's going to die in the ring, right? Yeah. So I don't know what we're setting ourselves up for. I'm just like, I'm on the edge of my seat. I don't know what this fight looks like. Bianca's still pissed at him, but, you know, Stallone, you know, is able to have them kiss and make up and brings her along because she needs to be there, right? Uh, A voice rooting in in the stands. Then we get to this fight, and here's that moment. Here's moment number two that I think was just a little bit different. So... You know, he's suiting up, he's taped up, he's getting ready to put his shorts on, and there's this package on the little boxing stool, and it's from mom, and it says something like, go craft your own name, or forge your own path, or something like that. And he opens it up, and it's these 
shorts. It's the red, white, and blue shorts that Creed wore in Rocky One, and then uh, Rocky One wore in Rocky Three, and then Rocky Four. Right? Yeah. Legendary boxing shorts. If you told me what's one pair of iconic boxing shorts in this franchise, it's that's number one on the ranking. Right. Mm-hmm. I really need this package to come from Rocky. Like, I know mom's a character and we want her to be on her son's side, but her watching this from pay-per-view is kind of enough for me, right? Yeah. Rocky was last in possession of those shorts in Rocky Four. I agree. I think he still had them. I don't know if he was going to give them back. And that's a scene we never saw that he gave them back to his wife. To miss. As a, as a way to just complete the journey, mm-hmm. uh, the journey to the top of this mountain. I got a little surprise for you, kid. Hands him the shorts. Just make sure you wash them when you give them back. Like, what, is, what does Creed tell him? And Rocky, he tells him something like, I, yeah. I need to see that exchange from old to new, right? So let me sour mash this for you a little bit. I agree, yeah. by the way. Not pre-fight, not immediately pre-fight, because this would fuck a fighter up. But the night before, <laughs> mom calls. Hey, baby. You yeah. know, blah, 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 blah. How you feeling? Oh, I'm worried, mom. And da, 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 this, that, the other thing. Let me tell you a story about your father, whatever meaningful story it is. Yeah. Go be whatever metaphor I made in that story for your father. Yeah, there you go. That's enough. And we've done the same thing. The bridge has been built. Yeah. We're good. Mom's on t- Mom's on board. Bianca's back. Then Rocky gives him the shorts. Yeah. That's a it's it's a glaring miss in that. Yeah. Again, you know not a deal breaker, no, but no, not it's gotta come breaker, from Rocky. Not a deal breaker, but just something I watched last night. I was like, you know what would have made this just a little bit better? Was Did you just, know what Rocky gives him? Gloves. Yeah. Of course he gives him gloves. Gloves? They're not even. Can you do Star Spangled gloves at least, or give him your cuff link? <laughs> oh, something. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you, Jesse. Speaking of which, I don't even know who ends. Or I guess the kid, his son, ended up with that cuff link at the end of Rocky Five, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever. I just, I was watching. I was like, ah, just this would have made it just a little bit better. Yeah, no, but you're right. I, I do like that his shorts. You know, it's got this big emblazoned Creed on the front, and then Johnson in the back. So he's kind of representing both names. Mm-hmm. And I like that. Shouldn't so, Johnson be on the front? <laughs> Come on. Yeah, that, that, that was a swing and a miss, right? <laughs> yeah. But we get in there, you know, Creed comes in, little pomp and circumstance, which is, you know, far from a Creed performance, right? I mean, dude, in Rocky 1, Creed comes in on a George Washington Heater. float. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And then in number four, he comes in on a bull stallion to mm-hmm. James Brown. I mean, like, the pomp and circumstance isn't there for Creed yet. I mean, it, that's coming. Yeah. In the next film, but he just kind of comes there booing him. He's like the underdog, right? He's the Rocky. Mm-hmm. And then dude Conlon comes in, dude, this like circus freak is like blowing fire. Dude, like it's crazy town in his corner. And I don't think anyone's given Donnie a chance. And then rounds one and a half, as you do in a Rocky film. Yeah, I don't think he's got a chance either, mm-hmm. dude. He's getting his ass handed to him. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's that, you know, right before we break for round three, it's like the round two turn. Yeah. He lands a, a mark on him, right? And he cuts him across the face, just like Rocky cuts the Russian. Not like Rocky putting him on the ground like he did in the first Rocky film, but he did something to him. And it's like a moment for Conlon to go, ooh. I'm in a fight. This is something here. I need to be careful. And uh, motivation for Dynamo. Like, I maybe got a chance now. Mm-hmm. And then I think we get into a pretty cool fight montage. They kind of embrace that HBO boxing after dark interface, right? Yeah. 
But yeah, what do you think of all this? Do you think, you know, the, how does the fighting look? You know, is the montage good for you? Because, you know, this is, you know, something I always look for in these films. I mean, look, let's be honest. Donnie's getting his ass kicked, but he's giving enough from time to time to where you keep a puncher's chance alive in your head. But Conlon's clearly the better fighter, mm-hmm. as he should be, because he's, he's, he's just more, more seasoned, right? Yeah, yeah. But you can see that Donnie is, like you stated earlier, a nice combination of Creed's quicks mm-hmm. and Rocky's bull. Yeah. So that's a pretty formidable force, fast and tough as hell. Yeah. And he gets it pretty good, but he gives it a little bit here. Yeah. And then as we move through it, you start to get through kind of what I, I'm always, I don't want to say disappointed, but I wish lasted longer is, and they they blow through rounds four through 11 in like 25 seconds. <laughs> Real quick, right? And it's fine because you're going to get 12, 13, 14, depending how long they take the fight. I mean, but it's it's at the point, too, where it's like, uh, I think, you know, in order for Donnie to win, he's going he's gonna to have to knock him out, right? Yeah, I mean, the yeah. point, points aren't really adding up. He's getting some here and there, but, like, he's still, like, kind of getting overpowered. Clearly behind on all three cards. And then, yeah, we cut to, okay, in between rounds 11 and 12, and we get the, the corner montage, and, oh, my God, his left eye, mm-hmm. dude. Mashed potatoes. Gruesome. Yeah. They come and I love this little thing. Like the ref comes and is like, okay, man, you got to tell me how many fingers I got. And the ref's like, God has two and then three. And then his corner man is like tapping him. How many think? Oh, that was genius. Yeah. Cause they're going to call this fight if he can't answer. Right. Yep. Love that. Love yeah. that little, just little detail right there. Cut me. And then we get yeah, rocks like, yeah, just cut my eyelid skin and we can glue it on back later. <laughs> That's stupid. Yeah. But then we get this, and this, if there ain't a stand up and cheer moment, uh, I don't know what is. You're winning this. You are going to win this. But just keep smart and keep away from me. He's going to sleep this time. He's going out this round. I should have stopped this one, your father. I'm stopping this one now. Don't, okay? Let me finish. I got to prove it. Prove what? I'm not a mistake. Look at me. I never got a chance to think of Paul for helping me out after Mickey died. But it's nothing compared to what you've done. You taught me how to fight again. And I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna fight this thing. But if I fight, I want you to fight too. I want you to go across this ring and knock that son of a bitch down. Can you do it? Say it. You gonna knock that son of a bitch down. I know you are. You know why? Because you are Creed and I love you, kid. So get it done. Round 12 begins. Virtually no one outside of Adonis Creed's family and group of friends would ever have expected to see him in a 12th round against Pretty Ricky Conlon and trading shots as they come to these last three minutes. There's a hard left hook upstairs. Every time you want to say it's the beginning of the end, the other guy comes through with a shot you can't believe. Hard right hand by Conlon. Come on, don't sit there. They're trading shots in the kind of back and forth action that most of us didn't expect to see. Creed getting hit with some hard shots, but landing some of his own, and Adonis is firing back. Another pitched battle between the two warriors. Come on, kid. Creed spins, puts the champ in the corner. Body, body. Throwing body shots like he's Rocky Balboa. Going upstairs like he's Apollo Creed. Closing seconds of the fight. 
what I'm talking about. Conlin is down. That is the first oh. time in his career he's been on the canvas. You cannot be saved by the bell in the 12th and final round. We'll get to what happens here in a second, but there's more than one way to call back to the franchise. And what do you think my favorite way to do a callback is? Music. Yeah. Him telling him, like, you go get that son of a bitch, and you're like, I'm going to get him. And then, like, for the first time in the film, we get to hear Rocky's theme, right? Mm Mm-hmm. This kind of molding of Rocky's coaching style with the Donis Creed, and it's it's so good, and it, it becomes the musical cue that played during the first fight with Super Fight One, and that do 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 do, mm-hmm. and kind of through the middle of that little cue, it kind of starts. It's peppered with a little of Adonis's theme, so you it's it's the best of both worlds there, and then he knocks him on the mat, right. And that little line of dialogue goes, first time he's ever been knocked down in his career. When was the last time that happened? Super fight one. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, Coogler is just, dude, he's in control. He's clearly a student of the franchise. Yeah. And that's who should make the next iteration in the franchise. Mm -hmm. It wasn't given to someone that didn't give a shit that was just looking for a payday, Josh Olsen. (laughs) It's given to somebody that gave a rip about it. And thank God to John G. Abelson. Yeah. Because he's got his hands on this one, too. I don't know how much, but he's part of it, too. Mm-hmm. And to go, look, if you want to do this, yeah. you got to tell me that you like this character. No, I love this character. Yeah. And you read the script, and you can tell that Coogler mm-hmm. loves these characters. Yeah. Even Rocky. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Yeah, that's just like, you almost want to like get out of your seat and just like stand up and cheer. Oh my God, yeah. She's when he like, says go across the ring and, and get that son of a bitch, aren't you ready to go, Jesse? Yeah, let's go. Let's, yeah, knock him out. And he does. And then in classic Rocky one fashion, this guy gets up at like call nine, right? Yep. I, I like that, you know, from Kellerman there because like I don't know a lot of boxing rules. Like you can't be saved by the bell in the final round. Right. Like you have to get up or it's curtains, right? Right. And he gets up and then the bell goes and... Donnie goes to his knees and you know, that moment where Rocky goes, is like, I got to stop this fight because I didn't stop it with your dad. And look what happened. He ended up, he got killed. He got killed in the ring. Like when does that ever happen before then Rocky four? Mm-hmm. Uh, but then Donnie tells him, I got to prove that I'm not a mistake. And that's a little bit of Rocky saying, you know what? I need to prove that I'm not a bum and I can go the distance. So he kind of feeds into him a little bit. Right. Yeah. But you better go knock him out and not get killed. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's caveats to this. It's a phenomenal ending. Mm-hmm. But why don't you give us the results here? Uh, break break it down for us. It's close. And Adonis is about mm, one and a half to two counts away from winning that fight in the final seconds with the knockout. But, dare I say, much like number one, mm-hmm. it's not quite enough. And he loses on all three judges' cards by about three rounds. Mm-hmm per what I've read. It's probably, if you look at the fight, it seems like it's probably closer to five. But I think we have at least established ourselves a new champion. And if we haven't, then you get Conlon coming across the ring and saying, you're the future of this division. Like the Karate Kid, right? Just like it. (laughs) You're all right, LaRusso. Yeah, when you're So are you, Lawrence. Yeah. Let's make a show in about 25 years together. Let's make it be awesome. It's going to be amazing. Deal. (laughs) Done. Uh, Yeah, when the villain's able to shut his mouth up for a second and realize greatness in front of you. 
Now you know you've made it. Yeah. And much like a callback to Rocky Balboa, I mean, mm-hmm. Mason the Line Dixon wins that fight. Yeah. But what does everyone? Yeah, what does everyone remember is Rocky leaving the ring and everyone cheering his name. They're cheering Creed's name here in in England. Like mm-hmm. that means more than winning the fight. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, great ending. And if we're gonna take the way Creed fights and the way Conlon fights, and Conlon sort of recognizes the best, the class of the division, and maybe the class in boxing currently, then it's pretty far fetched that Creed wins this. And it does something that I think is really important in the Rocky franchises and also in this. Mm-hmm. Just because he's our hero doesn't mean he's going to win every fight. Yeah, yeah. And boxing, that's the beauty of boxing, is it sets up for these titanic comebacks after immense physical damage that one has taken and mm-hmm. probably emotional along with it. Mm-hmm. You're just beat to pieces. You've lost. The world doubts you. Your belt's gone. There's three versions of your wife because you can't get your vision to settle down because it's still blurry three weeks after. You you might go blind if you get hit again. This guy's running his mouth. They've written you off. It's time to retire. And something rekindles that little tiny spark that's almost dormant. And you got to rebuild this whole thing like the Phoenix from the ground up. And it's just such a great Mm -hmm. after the second act reversal return to crisis conflict resolution conclusion. Yeah. Boxing, I think, does that really well because you yeah. can see how a fighter will take it a beating to the brink of death. Like, yeah, you really can't do this in baseball because he's usually like a washed up drunk like Tom Berenger in Major League. Mm-hmm. But to have that like full arc, that full fall from grace that we saw in Rocky Three, right, where mm-hmm. he loses, he's a little hubris is getting the best of him. What's he going to do to come back from that? And the results are usually pretty great. They're very cl- crowd pleasing. There's more of that next week. But uh, that's not the final scene of the film. That's the final scene. If we're doing a Rocky spinoff universe Creed film, we got to show the steps of Philadelphia. Sure do. So that's how the film ends. I love this. A perfect ending. Like they go up the steps, not running. They're taking it slow because, you know, Donnie's all beat up and Rocky's still going through chemo, I would imagine. Yeah. And he could barely get up these steps. They're like, he's struggling. Like you just, you see age and illness just has gotten the best of him. And he does get to the top because we're not going to end at the middle landing of this film. We're getting to the top. And he tells him, he's like, he's like, I've always loved these steps. He's like, he's like, from up here, you can see your whole life in front of you. It's a pretty good view, ain't it, kid? He's like, yeah, it's not bad. Perfect. Cherry on top. Yeah. It's a great ending. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's Creed. It came out Thanksgiving 2015. I didn't anticipate what this was going to be about, but... It introduced me to a lot of people. I mean, I was familiar with B. Jordan from Chronicle, but that was it. Mm-hmm. I knew Stallone was going to be in it, but I didn't know what to, to what extent. I didn't know the direction. I didn't know Cooler or anything like that. So I, leaving that theater that night, I was so just thoroughly surprised. Yeah. Just a spinoff in a franchise that already, already gets talked down on for being that stupid boxing franchise with that stupid actor in it. And now the spinoff is slang, dude. Get out of here! Like now we got spinoffs that work. Like other film franchises can't even say that, right? Right. To that, I mean, to that, to that. What's your favorite tasting note of Creed? Man, that's tough. Um, I think it's the choreography of the fight between he being Creed. And uh, Conlon, 
great camera work. It's busy, but it's not so busy. You can't see who's giving and who's taking. Yeah. So we don't have Michael Bay Transformers tumbling mass of color. It's too big to even delineate what the fuck is what. It's handled expertly well. And the other thing that's really important in that, and even a little bit more so in number two, but in this one, you can feel the weight of those blows because the sound is so vicious Mm -hmm. and violent. It's like they're cracking wood every time these dudes hit each other. Yeah, I couldn't take, I could take maybe one of them and I'm out. I was like... I ain't surviving. Mm-hmm. So that's, I mean, it's on the nose, but because it's so good. Good choice. Mine's that moment, that triumphant, go get that son of a bitch. That's just, it's just, yeah. it's what I live for in this franchise. Like those moments of call to action, seize your moment, deus ex machina, mm-hmm. carpe diem. That's it. It's just, it's, it's awesome. It's just, it's scored well. It's acted well. It's choreographed. I love the commentating over to that entire fight. Yeah. It's like the entire franchise is caught up to this moment here. And what are we doing with it? And we just talked about it. So, yeah. Um, okay, here, where are we going here? Where is the. Oh my God! Moment of Creed. God, that's tough. Uh,. Rocky's diagnosis and the admission that he's going to just take it. Mm. When that nurse shows up and says, hey, we got your results back. You have cancer. Here's these pamphlets. And he just says, oh, I'm good. I can't chemo my wife went through that. It didn't go so well. That's when you're just like, oh, we're going here. Yeah, we're, what are we doing? We're going here. Okay. Yeah, I think mine will be Rocky chemo montage. I mean, he, Rocky, Stallone as Rocky has shown elements of weakness, whether intellectually, uh, you know, emotionally breaking down. I don't think we've ever seen it physically. And him looking all gone to get having to be helped out of a bed, thrown up in a toilet, like that was, that was rough. Yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah. That was, I wasn't, wasn't prepared for that. Who's the master distiller on Creed? I would say John G. Avildsen, but I'm not. I'm going to give it to Stallone this week. Uh, Nice to see him come back and grip the reins on this iconic role one more time while changing it as necessary per his agedness, but adhering to the traits that we've all fallen in love with Rocky for the last 30 years. Good choice. Good choice. Coogler for me. It's... His efficiency as a writer, director, but then most importantly, understanding what this franchise is, not only to its fans, but its story at heart. How do you make a how do you make a, a sequel? How do you make a spin-off? Uh this is how you do it. This is how you do it. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't think of anyone better for this job other than Stallone himself, who probably didn't want to jump into it because he probably was like, Oh, what kind of an idea is there until he saw it and he was like, Oh yeah, I'll write the script for the sequel. <laughs> right? Uh, well, why not? Yeah, why not? Yeah, Coogler for me. It's, you know, we sung his praises on the our Black Panther episode and even on Wakanda Forever. Uh, Wakanda Forever. I wonder if Stallone ponied up for some of the financing in this film, too, to get it done. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. I mean, through name alone, I think they probably could have gotten it done. It was just... Because he has producer credit on this. Yeah. Of course he does. Well, of course. Like, yeah, this, this turned out to be a pretty good movie. Slap my name on that thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, how are you going to rate and grade Creed? We have Rocket, Well, Call, Single Barrel, and Tippy Top Shelf. Where are you going for this first entry in this trilogy? Top Shelf. 
impossible expectations to fulfill. It's hard not to see the eighth iteration in a franchise and or seventh, I guess. No eighth, right? No seven. Yeah, seven. Yeah. And go, oh my God, another one. But okay, yeah, yeah another yeah, one. Yeah. And keep them coming. <laughs> yeah, 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 you couldn't turn them out fast enough. Uh, this is one that comes on every time. I'll never turn it off. I can watch it any time. I never get sick of it. I usually pick up on something different. It's beautifully smart when it needs to be. It's good action when it needs to be. All of the performances are rock solid. Um, it's pretty damn near perfect film. A couple of little misses. I think you brought up a couple. I had one or two as well. But despite all that, yeah. probably in my top 40 of all time. Yeah, not, top shelf. Yeah. Not misses. Like last week had little, just... Little f- tiny pissy pant flaws. Yeah. Not like last week, which was just a whole cadre of misses <laughs> across the board. Uh, I'm going to go single barrel this week. I think this is a very unique film on a blueprint on how to do a spinoff, sidequel, whatever the hell you want to call this thing. Sidequel, I like that. Yeah, this is this is the the blueprint on on how to do it. It's it's just uh, it's you know efficient. It knows its its uh, world building. It knows its language. I, I'll echo what you said. Uh, the performances. Uh, are all top notch. I think this is the best shot film in the entire franchise, cinematography wise. The score's great. Um, it's a real crowd pleaser. Uh, it almost brought me to tears when I thought Rocky was going to die. <laughs> it was just, it has a little bit of something for everybody. Like in the caveat of Rocky films, man, it's up there in my rankings, mm. but it's it's more of a single barrel for me than a top shelf just because of, you know, horror franchises, action franchises. TV show spinoff, whatever's none of them. I don't know if they could ever do it as good as this first film did. Right. It's fair. This is a blueprint that I'm shocked. People haven't gone to school on. How can you not? Yeah. I mean, I think Cobra Kai did a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, Cobra Kai's cut a little bit from this same cloth. Yeah. Uh, And they understood what we liked about that series uh, and how to reinvent it and kind of twist it on its head a little bit. It's good. Yeah. I think that's, I guess that's a pretty good example. Like that. And then I got to talk about Stallone. Okay, so he won the Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actor for this film, deservedly so. Nominated for the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor, I will never forget. I will never forget my chagrin at the Academy, which go back and listen to the last six weeks of what we just did. Mm-hmm. Uh, Best Supporting Actor goes to Mark Rylance for Bridge of Spies, which, Ugh. you know, I like Mark Rylance as an actor, but... Come on, Academy. Come on. Did you just have that much of a problem saying Academy Award winner Sylvester Stallone? Again. Yeah. You know what? You fucked us in 1977 because you stole something from Network that yeah. was precious. He does, We're never going to acknowledge you again. Dude, Bridge of Spies is kind of a snooze fest for me, but oh, yeah. this film is remarkable and his performance is. I'll, I'll never forget. I won't forgive them for a lot of things. That one in particular really rubs me the wrong way. Ditto. Yeah. It was just I couldn't believe it. I thought I thought it was in the bag. I thought it was a sure thing that he would win in. Look, what a kind of a cool story, right? Uh, here he is, forty-five years later, getting an award for this character he played in nineteen seventy-six that now, he should have won for that time. Yeah, no, Bridge of Spies, a movie that no one talks about. Tom Hanks. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. To that, yeah, it's it's phenomenal. If you haven't seen it, like I said last week, it's streaming on HBO Max right now. Go watch it right now. Like it, you got to, you got to, you got to check this one off your box. Yes, you do. Well, let's wrap up this thing with our nightcap. Oh, my 
marching snare, mm-hmm. many, many horns, and a beautiful choir. What could go wrong? Yeah. Nothing. Pretty, pretty good. Nothing. Creed's theme's pretty good. Can I play something before we get into this? Yeah, go ahead. I want to play this for you. Go it's going to be on my phone, so bear with me, everybody. Alanis Morissette? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hard to not take the inspiration for Tessa Thompson from 07's Reese. They say vision. Yeah. If you like her style of music, it's hers is a little bit more, um, I think, more mystical than Reese is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, check it out. Um, I think that there's some, I talked about throwbacks earlier mm-hmm. or callbacks. Mm-hmm. Clear, clear tie between these two. Uh, she hasn't really amounted to much lately, but... I guess neither has Tessa Thompson in the musical realm either. So <laughs> it's her fictional character. <laughs> yes, yes. I don't know. I can't remember what the sequel has for us, but we'll get to that in just a second. Uh, you loved my fly question. I loved your nightcap question. Well, I guess Creed is a villain sometimes. So I wanted to play an anti-villain, yeah, an anti- hero villain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Heroine. Yeah. Uh, I gave you the chance to take three villains and spin them off into their own stories in which they become heroes or at worst, yeah, pro-villain as main character. So enough of a backstory to maybe where their deal becomes sympathetic or we come to a better understanding. You just realize like maybe Johnny Lawrence wasn't such a prick. Maybe it actually was Ralph Macchio. Yeah. Can't use Johnny Lawrence. I won't. Uh, three, three, two, two, one. Yeah, one. let's do it. Uh, number three for me. Uh, this is going to be tough because this is a film franchise that I want next to no more entries in this franchise. Cause I am exhausted, tired, and most of them aren't good. But I think a unique spin with this particular character, you're going to have to rewire his hardware I want a Matrix mm. spinoff with Agent Smith as the villain turned protagonist with Hugo Weaving. That's sweet. Now, he's AI, which, you know, we love that. But if you hardwire him almost kind of like the T-800 in T2 to be go from, you know, antagonist to hero that has to help whatever freaking uprising those people are dealing with. I think I'm on board with that. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, you know, his experience fighting the one and his fighting prowess, I think there might be some ground to tread with Agent Smith there and, you know, what he means. And I'm sure we'll have a conversation. I'm like, oh, my God, am I human or not human? You yeah. know, because we love that so much, right? Anyway, but I I, I don't want any more Matrix movies, people. Like, I, please, no more. <laughs> you know, with you saying more human than human, it makes me think of uh, Mr. Rucker Hauer and Blade Runner. I'm not going there, but that's possibility too sure i'm gonna go with a fem female here okay mrs summer finn from 500 days of summer that character do you want to do you want to do the road to tom hansen or the road post tom hansen i think post okay because what's gonna have to do in there is 
her settling down for a life of domestic and summer's case hell. And if we marry her off to kind of a douchey guy, yeah. then it's real easy to champion her cause. I don't want it to be some domestic abusive, you know, bullshit, pretty little lies on HBO kind of story. But I do think that Dermot Mulrooney. Yeah. <laughs> right. One of the scars guards. Yeah. Um, let's resurrect summer Hansen a bit more sympathetic with the things that in 500 days of summer she's vilified for, but to be honest with you, she's only a villain because she's starkly honest. Mm-hmm. Summer Finn for three. Great choice. Good. Thanks. Two, Number two. two for me. And I think this might be something that's in development, but I don't, maybe not the way I'm going to take it. Uh, I went detective Alonzo Harris from training day. Mm-hmm. And you can either tell me this, you can either tell me the story of what ruined him to become the monster that he was in that film, or because he they didn't kill him in the streets. What does the world look like post that moment? King Kong ain't got shit on me. Mm. Look like for him going forward. So good. Is so he a, survives getting gunned down. I think so. And is that a humbling moment for him, where he's going to go straight? Either way, there's a story in both directions for that guy, and they're both not villainous. And I want to see that movie tomorrow. Yeah. Great choice, Jesse. I mean, if they go the young route, I mean, his son could play him. Oh, such a great choice. Love it. Well done. Number two for me, Mr. Hans Gruber. Um, I think the story I want from that is not post-survive the fall from Nakatomi Plaza. Because no way. Because no way. (laughs) But how he came to this life of expert thief and what really it was for. Cause although we don't totally get it, I want there to be a bit more method behind the madness instead of just stealing these banknotes. I think there might be. I le- I'm, I'm really dying right now for a great thief story. I'm always in the mood for watching a theft film, but Alan Rickman, RIP will find some way to do something with that. And give me young Hans Gruber and watching this Ascension 2 Mastermind for uh, all things nefarious and bank robberies. Yippee-ki-yay. Motherfucker. Motherfucker. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I'd watch that. You know, like, I am such a glutton of punishment because, you know, if I latch onto a franchise like Robocop or Die Hard, you know I consume all of every sequel, spinoff, TV series, whatever you make. So, you know, I'm I'm there opening night watching Gruber. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. My number one, this was an easy number one for me. Mm. Uh, and just think, I think maybe television show for this one, but just think of all the adventures we could get into with this guy. I want the Biff Tannen <laughs> origin tale. That's good. Because uh, that guy's just a prick through three films. We don't know why. Uh, but if we soften that guy a little bit and through time travel, we like have him have some come to Jesus moments. Bring Christopher Lloyd in tow as a wise sage. Man, I, I want to see that story. Like, mm-hmm. where can Biff go unscrew up his life where he's been such an asshole? So good. Yeah. You could even have McFly go back in time and make some decision that turns him into the good guy. Yeah. Butterfly effect it. Yeah. Oh, it's good, Jesse. You're on fire tonight. Yeah. I know they've, they, they've toyed around with, like, a Back to the Future reboot, which I want no part of. Mm-mm. Um, this might be a unique way to kind of go and kind of do kind of a little Creed thing with some nice callback moments. You can, Leah Thompson can show up for an episode, bring Crispin Glover for an episode, yeah. Michael J. Fox. You can get all those guys in, in on that thing. But yeah, I think they, they could really go a Cobra Kai route with Biff Tannen. He's very Johnny Lawrence-like. You're right. Yeah. 
Okay, this is so fanboy on the nose. I almost want to set myself on fire. You're going to hate this, but let me give you my rationale. Okay. There's a lot of sins that are perpetuated in this universe. I'm building up a case now. This, however, might be the biggest. Okay. And it's the wasted use of what is visually the coolest villain we never got to know because they were on the screen for all of seven minutes, Mr. Darth Maul. Mm. <laughs> Can we just have him survive that lightsaber fight, whether he phases out or something? Because there's some some novel stuff written that involves him that presents a much more sympathetic version of Darth Maul that gets us to why maybe he's just misunderstood. Yeah. Rebels did a good job with this too. If anybody watched the Rebel show, mm-hmm. they did yeah. a nice job with him there later. A lot of like yeah, Clone Wars, Rebels, and the EU of Star Wars have like really kind of built up the lore of that character more than the Phantom Menace ever gave him credit for. Because they wasted him. <laughs> yeah. Um, You're right. Visually cool. I remember when he showed up in the promotional material, I was like, and everyone was just like, oh my God, this guy looks like the devil. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> What's his deal? And dude, he had a double bladed. We had never seen that before. Yeah. I'm on board with, with, with your star Wars take, you know, that's in the universe. Again, I'm a glutton for punishment in that universe too. And spun on the right way. The Jedi are just as hateable as the Sith. Yeah. Cause they are so adherent to, we are correct and proper and right. It's so pious and, se- yeah. and sexless. Right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's like the Catholic church. I was going to say, and no one likes priests. So there's that. Well, that's not true, but no one likes the priest that I was under the tutelage of growing up. But they are like that. I mean, they they, are. they have to go celibate. They have to like live this very vain life. Yeah, who could want that? There's only yeah. so much yoga and soy you can do and drink, man. Yeah, and, or their, eat. and their philosophy is a little... <laughs> uh, you know, like, that's why Luke Skywalker comes in and kind of like tries to fix that up a little bit. The new, the new Jedi Order, right? Put the wheatgrass latte down. Let's go have a <laughs> bourbon with Darth Maul. <laughs> Tell me where you'd rather be. Like in Knights of the Old Republic, which is the game where you could pick light or dark. Dude, I'm going dark every time. Aren't they remaking that? Yeah, for, yeah, for, that remaking yeah for, that. for the next-gen systems, yep. Oh, you're ready to die, aren't you? Yep. Did you love that game? Mm-hmm. Darth Maul. Good choice. Let's go see those villain movies. Movies, shows. Series. There's some ground to play with here. Which of yours do you see as movie and which do you see as series? Well, Bip Tannen series. Series, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, Agent Smith film, which I wouldn't go see. <laughs> um, uh, and then what was what was my number two? I can't even remember. Well, it was, it was uh, Alonzo Harris. Oh, film for sure. Me, Tom Han- or uh, sorry, Summer Finn film. Yes. Hans Gruber film, Darth Maul series. There you go. Dude, uh, Mark, 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 Webb's got, Mark Webb's got to make the Summer Finn. Dude, what's that guy been up to? Dude, Spider-Man killed that guy. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a wrap on Creed from 2015, directed by Ryan Coogler. Great rewatch, everybody. Uh, phenomenal rewatch. Again, check it out on HBO Max. And now we're going to dive into Creed 2 from, I think, 2018? Mm-hmm. I think it was three years later. And how did I pitch it last week? It's a sequel to Creed. It's a sequel to Rocky Four. And it's a quasi-reboot of Rocky Three. <laughs> that in a blender is this film. <laughs> but better. And I can't wait to talk about it. Like I told you, I the last time I saw it was in the theater. And if the first film blew my socks off, this one then ends some. Yeah. And we're going to have a guest next week. Yay. He's been on the show before. We'll talk a little bit about that. But uh, we're going to have a lot of fun next week. We're going to probably drink a lot of bourbon next week. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, to that, I got to get going. I'm going to go work out. I'm going to go try and catch the chicken. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it as fast. Um, do it as fast as Creed did. Uh, but maybe faster than Rocky. 
Catch the Chicken, I think that was the name of the second album by the Breeders after they did uh, Cannonball. Yeah. Catch the Chicken. Remember, my nickname's Ficker and Dan. <laughs> we'll see you all next week, everybody. Have a good week, everybody. We'll see you in the dark. Thank you for listening to Rye Smile Films. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to leave us a rating and a review while you're there. It really helps out the show. And for Rye Smile Films merchandise, go to tpublic.com. Creed is property of Warner Brothers Pictures, Metro Goldwyn Mayer, New Line Cinema, and Chardoff Winkler Productions. And no copyright infringement is intended. Until next time, cheers. Right there, old man? Yeah. Nice view. You know, if you look hard enough, you can see your whole life from up here. How does it look? Not bad at all. <laughs>